ಸಹನಾವತು ಸಹನೌ ಪುನಕ್ತು ಸಹವೀರ್ಯ ಕರವಾವಹೈ ತೇಜಸ್ವಿನಾವತೀತಮಸ್ತಮಾವಿರ್ವಿಷಾವಹೈ ಓಂ ಶಾಂತಿ 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 ವರವರ್ ಆಕ್ಷನ್ ವಿ ಡೂ ಇನ್ ಲೈಫ್ it is all done with the will of god the grace of god without this grace you could not perform that action so it's expanding on the atman atman enlivens you but there's also this grace of god you do good actions you get positive good good grace from god you get grace of god if you do good actions if you do bad actions then you don't get that grace of god that's why they say perform good actions god god rewards you with its grace which then makes your hap- life hap- happy and peaceful helps you to gain whatever you're trying to achieve So how do you do a good action? How do you do a good action? By being less selfish. Less selfish? Absolutely right. Less selfish. Good action. What's a good action? Things that benefit everybody, not just yourself. Fullness, kindness, goodness. So thinking of others rather than yourself how can i be of service rather than what can i gain from this situation this person so but from an ultimate point of view what the uh, this great swam is saying is that whatever action it is you do if you're a housewife house husband an accountant doctor dentist businessman whatever it is you do dedicated to god that action with the grace of god i may be able to perform this action so what happens when you do that anything you do it's a positive thought positive thought feel good feel good becomes worship this coffee i'm drinking is lovely it's tea tea <laughs> grace of god i'm enjoying this cup of tea the grace of god am i able to perform this action you're thinking of the higher in everything you do whatever it may be then there is no issue of great action or little action whatever you're doing you're making food for your family grace of god i'm doing this becomes every action becomes a good action there's no distinction no difference your your husband goes and earns money you're cooking 
but both factions are towards the higher. It makes it irrelevant whose action is higher or lower. Everything is because of the grace of God. Even the fact that you're listening to these talks, it is the grace of God that you're able to do this. If you don't have that grace, you wouldn't be here. This is all the positive actions that you're, you have done in the past, karma, that enables you to have this grace. If you don't have the grace, you can bring the person here, they would not stay here. They won't come back. They're not able to take it in because they don't have that. Even myself, I can either think it's because of me that you're able to gain this knowledge, or I can say it is due to the grace of God that I'm able to share and give back what is given to me. With this attitude, what happens? When you dedicate everything to the higher, as Sittle said, it becomes worship, but you also you dissolve your ego. I'm not the doer. It's because of the grace of God that I'm able to do this. So what you're doing is you're dissolving your ego, that minus, that selfishness. So this is a, a way of performing all actions and make turning all action into uh, spiritual, spiritual action. All, be, all actions become spiritual. Come on, does that make sense? This is my role in life. Let me dedicate it to... Doesn't mean you change whatever you're doing. You still perform and carry on doing whatever you're, you're doing. But you dissolve that ego, that minus. You have no you no longer have the attitude of I am the doer, everything I am. Everything I am and that I do is all the grace of God. Any questions? That's just something uh, in, in, initial I wanted to talk about. To help you. It's a it's a practical way of being spiritual. Makes sense. This biscuits are making grace of God. So when you say the grace of God, because you as you said you're the self God in so it's reflecting on yourself, why you not? So you're not God as is pre being as such it's allowing you to focus on what you do. See, we're saying that we need to go inwards. Yeah. Think of the self, that enlivening factor. But we're not able to do that in every action. We're not able to do that. It's difficult because the world is so attractive and we're so involved. So, but when you dedicate your action to the grace of God, then you're, you're indirectly doing the same thing. You're thinking of the higher, you're thinking of the self. So it's another way of attaining the same thing. Does that make sense? Bella? Helps you be positive in whatever you're doing. And you're dedica dedicating it to the Atman, which is living that action. That's it, dedicating 
trying to differentiate God as in the religious being that people The spirit. Yeah. When we say God, Atman, we're talking about that in living fact, that spirit which enlivens the whole universe, us, etc. Which what we talked about. This isn't in the book, by the way. No. Yeah, what we've just said it's not in the book. This one other book I've read. So, um, recap. Last week we talked about what life was. And we said that life was made up of a series of experiences. For um, whoever missed last week's class, the class before we talked about how a human being functions, and last week we talked about how the world functions. And we said when, we con when the human being contacts the world, there is an experience. Now, depending on how you contact, that experience can be good or it can be bad. So the week before last, we talked about the human being. Last week we talked about the world and how, what the nature of the world is. We said life was made up of series of experiences. The flow of these experiences is the flow of life. No experiences, no life. So in order to have a better, happier life, we need to do what? What do we have to do to have a happier life? Change our thoughts. Change our thoughts. Change us, the subject. Reduce fastness. Reduce fastness. We need to improve both the subject and the object. One's personality and the world one contacts. We discussed the nature of the human being and how he or she functions. And last week we discussed the nature of the world. What is the nature of the world? Who was here last week? Changing, yeah. The world is constantly changing. What else? Projection of the mind. That's that's. Can't to everyone's needs. World what? Can't cater to. Can't cater to everyone's needs because everyone's. Different. Everyone is different. Everyone's desires are different. Disappears in deep sleep. Dis disappear. Very good one. Disappears in deep sleep. No world in deep sleep. <laughs> Last night there's no world for you. <laughs> <laughs> You're in deep sleep. <laughs> Made up of the pairs of opposites. That's why it cannot cater to everyone's needs. Because the world is made of pairs of opposites. Pleasure and pain, heat and cold, profit and loss. As humans, our desires keep changing. So, as Anita said, the changing world cannot cater to our changing desires. So what happens? We become agitated. I planned a picnic. It's raining. All this preparation I planned. Agitation is caused because... Why is agitation caused? Main reason of agitation. No. Main reason of agitation. Anita, you said it. Not catering to your desires. Unfulfilled desires. When your desire is not fulfilled, your mind is agitated. Simple as that. Any agitations is because your desire did not get fulfilled. You did not get your samosa and bajja last night. No. <laughs>
so you agita- agitated. <laughs> so any agitations is because unfulfilled desires. Remember that next time. I wanted my partner to behave in this way. He didn't. I'm agitated. Unfulfilled desires. Unrealistic desire, but it's unfulfilled and you're agitated. So all the problems in life are all because we want the world to behave according to our wishes. Is that possible? It's not possible. She likes hot, I like cold. Where do we go on holiday? (laughs) So it's all about learning to relate to the world, which is what we're doing here in class. Also we said, we have to accept that when something bad happens, this is the plan of nature. When something bad happens to us, we, did, we said, we talk, we, uh, we, I recited a story to explain that. So listen to the podcast and you'll, you'll be able to understand what I mean by that. When something bad happens, it's the plan of nature. Good experiences and bad experiences are also the grace of God. We said keep improving and developing ourselves. We should keep improving and developing ourselves. Understand I cannot afford to be stagnant in life. How can I become a better human being? Anything stagnant becomes stale. Stagnant water is dark and smelly. Flowing stream is fresh and clean. Regardless of age, keep striving for improvement in life, physically, mentally, and intellectually. Never stop learning. Never stop learning. Taking good stimuli. Taking good stimuli in all those areas, physically, mentally, intellectually. So, basically, it all boils down to how you relate to the world. We have to learn how to relate properly. And then every experience becomes heaven. If not, then you become a victim of the world, constantly agitated. So whose hands is it in, if they're unhappy? You're not relating to the world properly. Can't blame anyone but yourself. Whatever you can change, change. What you can't change, you have to accept. That's life. You can, you can make a heaven out of hell if you want to. And then the last paragraph was everyone believes peace and happiness is in the world. Hence, you keep looking for it in the world. As long as you keep looking for happiness externally in the world, you will never be happy. There's only one place for happiness. Inside. 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 End of recap. Any questions on that?
You want to look not going to go into that in detail. No, no, I yeah. But um, just, I'm glad you brought that up because um, uh, you understood what I was talking about there. We've always said it's internal, but there is this concept of, and it's not in this book by the way, there's this concept of Ishvara, yeah, which without going into it too deeply um, at this stage, is basically what the world is. It's Ishwara, we say. Yeah. But we're not going to go into it. I will talk about it more in the coming classes. But the reason I introduce this as the grace of God is so that in this particular aspect was that you can turn all actions into worship. And this is, is a practical example, as a practical tip. So that's why I introduced it in this term. But to talk about that specifically in more detail, it'd have to be another class. Yeah. Does everyone understand <coughs> what she was asking? That we've always <coughs> talked about the self, we've never talked about this concept. So how does this fit in? But that's gonna have to be another class. Yeah. So Is it the is it is it for, for example analogy of using the I don't know um, the wave in the ocean so for example if we're thinking about the self or God we could say it's the ocean and where the individual wave the water is the same we have the same water, we are that ocean, but we have this individuality of being the wave. And every time we keep thinking of where the wave, where the wave, we're thinking of our body, mind and intellect being separate from that ocean. Whereas if we're thinking about the water is the same, I rise from this ocean, I go back into this ocean. Everything I do is because of this ocean. I exist because of this ocean. Without this ocean, I don't exist. But the water is the same in me as it is in there, and there is no individuality. And everything I do as this wave is a form of thinking of the ocean constantly having that in the background and rather than thinking oh god here I am cooking another meal for this family <laughs> or I'm always shopping whatever we're always thinking of the worship side of things even going to work you know we come across so many individuals and things that's why everything can change back to go back to the wave and the ocean. That's the way I see it, as simplifying. So this concept of the wave and the ocean, you, you take on a form, just like a wave takes a form, but this part of the ocean is made of water. But he thinks there's an individuality. 
this is what we are. We feel we're individual, but we're actually part of the ocean. So the art, individual Atman <coughs> is also part of the self. So that, this concept explains that. But Ishwara and the grace of God is slightly different, but we'll talk about it another time. Yeah, I don't want to take this conversation out into a different, in, in a different area. But does, does everyone understand that uh, wave and uh, ocean analogy? Did everyone understand that? We, everyone here thinks they're a wave, but they're all part of the ocean. Just so, every, every Atman in you is the same Atman in everyone. We won't go into it too much at the moment. It's more explained as we go deeper into the book. So, I'm just going to summarize the first paragraph. Living beings seek pleasure, joy, happiness all their lifetime. Some seek through material and physical means, others through emotions, yet others through knowledge. For instance, a man desires wealth. Analyze his desire. What is it he really seeks? He wants wealth only to gain comforts, pleasure, happiness. So is it with emotion and knowledge. Everyone you seek, everything you seek, in the world boils down to happiness. You believe happiness resides in the world at large. You look for it everywhere. Extroverted pursuits have never succeeded in, in finding happiness. For happiness lies within your own person. You must therefore direct your efforts towards your own self to find it. There is no other way. So, material wealth, physical contact, will never bring you permanent happiness. This is what it's saying. Why is that? Why is it? Why doesn't material wealth, physical contact, bring permanent happiness? Desires change everything. Desires changing? Temporary? The argon dust lasts for five minutes, then it's gone. <laughs> the happiness is only for that five minutes. Bella said, desires keep changing. Mind will keep wanting more. It's insatiable. Also, we get neutralized to all objects and beings. This is the nature of the mind. We get neutralized. You like vanilla Hagendas. I give you every day vanilla Hagendas. Fifth day, you'll say, you know what? I, I want a different flavor. I'm fed up with this. Ice cream is the same. But you've become neutralized to that flavor. So the, what they're saying is the happiness isn't in the world. Where are we looking for happiness? In the world. That's why no one's ever happy. And if they are, it's only small bouts, temporary. No one can say I'm permanent, I'm always happy. No one can say that. Only by planting your mind and intellect in the self can you gain true happiness. Only through knowledge and understanding can you be content with life. 
knowledge of the your true personality, the self. Any questions on that? Does everyone understand? Is there happiness in the world? Anything? Okay, then we move on to the next paragraph. I just you seem a bit. No. No, yeah, you understand. There's no happiness in the world, yeah. Temporary. <laughs> it's temporary. <laughs> okay. But we know we're content with that temporary happiness. This is the problem. We're content with it because we haven't tasted the real happiness. That's why we're content with it. Saying once you taste this, you'll never go back. The problem is the world attracts one with instant pleasures. When one contacts the world through sense organs, one gains instant pleasures. One does not realize that this pleasure is temporary and gradually reduce, ultimately becomes sorrow. When one seeks happiness within, it is difficult to begin with. But persistent effort, you will be rewarded with more and more true happiness. Sorrow appears as happiness, and true happiness appears masked as sorrow. This is a law of nature. This is the state of us human, human beings. Now, you don't believe me? You'll believe Krishna. Bhagavad Gita, chapter 18, verse 37. says yata da grevishami va pariname mritopamam tat sukham satvikam proktam atma buddhi prasadajam true happiness is like poison in the beginning but nectar in the end that's verse 37 true happiness is like poison in the beginning but nectar in the end. We'll go into detail what that means. Then verse 38 says, Vishayendriyasa yogad yatadagrer mitopamam pariname vishamiva tatsukairajasam smritam False happiness is like nectar in the beginning, but poison in the end. This is in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna saying. This is the law of life. You can't change it. I can't change it. This is the law of life. What does that mean? What is Krishna saying? What's Krishna saying? Why? Why? Example? It's temporary. Temporary. Any practical examples? You're right, from the ultimate point of view. 
but we can't we can't practice that. Any examples, practical examples? This is the law of life. False happiness is like nectar in the beginning, but poison in the end. Overindulgence. Yeah. Sorrow at the end, isn't it? Yeah. Good example. Think what we enjoy now will harm us in the end. What we enjoy now will harm us in the end. What you don't like right now will bring happiness in the end. This is a law of nature. So what we do, we grab whatever we like and leave what we don't like. Long run we get into trouble. You don't like exercise. In the beginning it's hard. Once you get into it, Sinal, you jog every few days. It's pleasurable. Do you find pleasure in it? Initially it's hard, wasn't it? But now you find pleasure. Keeps you fit for the rest of your life if you maintain it. Hard in the beginning. Brings happiness at the end. You love, you love junk food. Samosa, bhajia. <laughs> you suffer later on. Nobody likes healthy food. <laughs> you pick what's bad for you. That's the mind. You pick what's bad for you, which is later going to be turning into sorrow. You leave what's good for you. Don't like that. But that's good. But that's in the long run good for you. Nobody likes healthy food. Look at the obesity in the Western country. What's the most popular restaurant in the world? McDonald's. McDonald's. Healthy or unhealthy? Unhealthy. Most number of restaurants in the world. When you enjoy it, when you eat it, you enjoy it. But afterwards, you feel bad. Oh, I shouldn't have had that fries. Because of, it's unhealthy. It doesn't do your body good. You suffer and you blame the world. Hmm? What is this? Is there a problem in the world? Who's fo whose problem is it? Whose fault is it? Why? McDonald's. Nobody works for McDonald's here, is it? I don't want to be sued. <laughs> Problems not in the world, but in your relationship with the world. So whoever you are, wherever you are, learn how to relate to the world. Learning this is an art, a skill which we need to develop through knowledge and understanding which is what we're doing here we're learning this so we can relate to the world better so in practical terms like when you talk about um, true happiness or temporary happiness what should be the outlook so for example I don't know, your eldest son gets married, 
and you've got that occasion, of course you're going to be happy in the midst of it all and proud and every occasion that occurs you're going to be happy and enjoy it. You know, you could have a pessimistic thing and think, oh God, you know, this, temp this happiness is only temporary and it can, it can turn you into a really negative person in sense. So what should be the, in every situation that you're happy, mm -hmm. what should be the... Unhappiness is about to follow. <laughs> it's not going to help you enjoy it, is it? He, the wedding not going to last forever, is it? Yeah, but the grace of God has come that your yep. oldest son is getting married and it's a really happy yep. occasion. So enjoy That's, it. So enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely. Enjoy the world. Enjoy right. life. But, but, but don't get involved in it because when you're enjoying it and you're happy, yeah, you, feel, you think that that happiness should last forever. So when I say understand that unhappiness is around the corner, meaning once he's married and he's left, you're on your own. So the key word here is involvement, isn't it? Yeah, whether it's going through a good, happy experience or whether it's going through a negative experience. It's about how involved I feel, because even with a negative experience, I could get down and depressed by it. See, we said the world is made of pairs of opposites. That's one of the qualities we, we said bef when we started the class. The world, nature of the world is made of pairs of opposites, and it's always changing. So if you know happiness is there, you enjoy it. Of course, you've got that. For whatever karma you did, you've been rewarded with that happiness. Yes. But understand that happiness is fleeting. It's not going to last. Then you're relating to the world properly. Otherwise, you're saying, my son got married. It was such a wonderful occasion. Why is he leaving now? I'm unhappy. So we don't have to expectation. We, have to. Hmm? we don't have to do the expectation from the world. Yeah, don't have any expectations. You understand? This is how the world is. Right now, I'm getting happiness. Let me enjoy it. Yeah, and then when he, he's going to leave, so we can't expect him to stay. Yeah. So understand that the, the consequences are he's getting married, he's happy. So you're having the right relationship with the world that way. Food, food, food is through knowledge, knowing that it's made of pairs of opposites. Good and bad comes together. You may, you may always be good, 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 happy, happy, happy. Even a bad event happens, you can still be happy knowing that, okay, I did this, so this has happened, this is cause and effect. I'm not going to get uh, too down about it. It was my fault. Okay, I'm going to move on. So you can turn even a negative experience into a positive through, la through understanding. Otherwise, you'll be saying, why did it happen to me? You go and see a therapist because you're so down. You know, why, why all this is happening to me? You're not understanding how the world is functioning. You can't always have good. You can't always only have happiness. How would you even understand happiness if you didn't understand unhappiness? This is the world. Is that okay? So learning this as art is a skill which we need to develop through knowledge and understanding. Which is what we're doing here. See, someone mentioned the world is a projection of your mind. Yeah. 
I've mentioned this story before, but I'll mention it again. During the Mahabharata time, Krishna called Didistra. Didistra was a good person, correct? So? Yudhishthira. How do you pronounce it? Yudhishthira. Yudhishthira. The older brother of the Pandavas and said, Krishna said, I need you to do a job for me. I need you to go and find in the world and find me a really corrupt, vicious person. Only this kind of person can do the job I have in mind for him. He also calls Duryodhan, who was a vicious person. And he calls him and says, I need you to do the job for me. I need you to go out in the world and find me a really good person, a highly virtuous person. Only he can do the job I have in my mind. So they both went out and they both came back. Yudhishthira said, I'm really sorry, Krishna, but I searched everywhere. I could not find a single bad person. Duryodhan came back and said, What kind of job did you give me? It was so difficult. I can't help you, Krishna because I can't find a single virtuous good person anywhere, including Krishna. <laughs> Christ, when he went around trying to help people, he was criticized because he talked to prostitutes. He touched lepers. But he did not see lepers and prostitutes. He saw only good human beings. If you are corrupt, you see corruption everywhere. If you are pure, you see purity everywhere. This is the law. All depends on your mind. As the mind, so the world. Everyone understand that? So you want to change the world, what do you have to do? How do you do that? Change yourself. It's easier said than done. <laughs> Realize your mistakes. So this is life. You are the architect of your fortune and misfortune. You are responsible for your happiness and you are responsible for your misery. You need to see the world for what it is and then relate to it properly. So the whole exercise is internal, not external. You've got to purify the mind and change your outlook in life. See, all these scriptures, sages, swamis, the Gita, Upanishads, what are they all, all doing? What are they all trying to do? What are they all trying to do, So, Help you to look within. Look within. Helps you to purify your mind. This is what he's teaching us. And what does it purify? What is the impurity in our cells? What is the impurity? 
desires. Purifies your desires. From bad desires to good desires. From selfish desires to unselfish desires. From worldly desires to spiritual desires. This is what it does. You evolve from selfishness to unselfishness. It helps you see the world for what it is. So when we read these texts, we have to read it like a like a self-help book, not like yeah, in the sense of just reading it one year out the other year. We have to. What is Krishna saying here? What do, what can I learn from it? How can I change what he said and apply it in my life? The Bhagavad Gita was written for uh, Krishna. Uh, Krishna gave the Bhagavad Gita to Arjuna so because he couldn't fight. So it's a practical self-help manual on how to fight the war. So Arjuna can go and fight. Isn't it? So this is how we need to look at these scriptures. How can it help me to become a better human being? And most of us don't do that. You know, we read it, but we don't know how to absorb it. We don't know how to understand. That's why we need to put the effort in and learn. This is the, what they're talking about, the art. It's all written there. <coughs> Any questions? Does it make sense? Does it make sense? Amor? Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, because um, we're opposites. He's a cynic, and I trust everyone, so this is where... <laughs> so we're always having this constant debate, not debate, but... Yeah, it's healthy, though. It's healthy. Because I have to help him change his mind, and he has to make me feel... Well, he may have, makes me feel I shouldn't trust everyone instantly, which I do. Mm. Um, that I need to be a bit more cautious. So, yeah, the, but it, it helps to have that opposites. Mm. If you're both the same, you'd be in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but see now here w w discussing this subject, we now understand each other. We understand our partner why he behaves in that way or she behaves in that way, and we're able to now accept and understand that this is normal. I realize where I made my mistake. <laughs> <laughs> I point no fingers at anybody. <laughs> you know? So, wouldn't, uh, like last time, I would say that if you want to improve yourself, you still need somebody from outside to tell you these are the things that are not right, as it were? Only because, only because you're not able to pick up the Gita or the Upanishads or any script, scriptures, read it understand it and apply it. It's difficult to do that. That's why you need someone else to help you to absorb and explain it. That's what we do in three years in the ashram. This is what we're studying. So we're doing that full time. So therefore we're absorbing it more and we're able to understand it more clearly. I'm not saying I have 100% 
understanding of it. But I'm able to clarify in your minds the basics, which, which is basically all you need, really. To live life like properly. To kind of apply it more or less straight away, otherwise you don't see it as benef benefiting you or that you've actually improved? You see, it's very subtle because your mind is improving, yeah? Mm -hmm. But you, you may not realize it, that it's improving. Your outlook to life, your acceptance of people, acceptance of the world is changing with this knowledge. And with that, with that, you become more peaceful and more happy. That is the marker that you're understanding this subject. You're able to be more peaceful and happy and deal with situations more calmly, more acceptingly. And the first rule is to accept everyone for their nature. You can do that. Your life has already changed. Goal of life. You have to put effort in. We're going to talk about effort in a minute. <laughs> Goal of life. When one embarks on the true course of life, the spiritual path, one reaches the state of infinite bliss, which lies in your inner self. You must bypass the material layers and find the self within. When one embarks on this path, one experiences peace and joy and a sense of freedom. This is the truth of life. So this is the secret of right living. To go beyond the material layers, body, mind and intellect, and discover the self. So we talked about the world and its temporary happiness. So now we're saying what brings you true happiness? Go past the body, the mind, the intellect. Go on the spiritual path to discover the self within until you reach the goal of life, the state of self-realization. This is what it's saying. So you think, you know what, this is too difficult. Way beyond me. Way beyond me, too difficult. It's okay, they know how people think. So they got a solution for it. They all know the mind how they're... These are great swamis who have written this. They know how everyone functions. This is beyond me. You know what? I'll just leave it. I'll be happy with my temporary happiness. He's saying while you go on this self-discovery, meaning to find your true personality, you gain freedom from all the worries and anxieties. And you're rewarded with peace and happiness. So just going on that path you're rewarded, it's saying. Forget the getting there. Just going on the path. It's like, right now, you say, I'm poor. Just something. I've got no money. My goal is to be a millionaire. I say, we have a formula. In three years, you can be a millionaire. I say, okay, I want to follow that formula. You follow that formula. In three years, you come back and say, you know what? I failed. 
I haven't reached a million. I've only reached 750,000. <laughs> sure, you didn't reach your goal. But on the journey, you've accumulated 750,000. This is the spiritual path. This is what following the spiritual path does, this knowledge does. You may not reach the state of self-realization, but you're so rewarded with peace and happiness that every step you take, you're more peaceful, more productive. What more do you want from life? Do you want to understand that? So just following that path, don't worry about the goal. That's what they're saying. You get there, you get there. You put in the right effort. You'll get to wherever you are going to get to, yeah? No one can guarantee anything. But just taking the first step and following that, you'll be rewarded so much that you think, what will the when I reach that goal, how will it be? Realizing that you didn't reach a million, but knowing and being happy and by changing your thought, thinking that, yes, I've reached 7.5 million rupees. <laughs> See, there you go. I know exactly what you mean now. Just nabbin. <laughs> you see, you need a cynic sometimes next to you so that you can turn it into a positive. <laughs> see, you went to India, you'd be a millionaire. <laughs> good point, good point. So then, why are we waiting? Why are we not jumping? all of us jumping on this path. You have to have faith. You have to have faith. But um, it is true. It is true. You'll have a sense of calm straight away as soon as you follow this path. People look into the world for joy this is a big mistake. Since the world does not contain the joy one is looking for, it lies within. All our efforts are in collecting material things. Name, fame, wealth, power. None of them can give you lasting happiness. But we keep trying. Why? Because we don't know anything else. We don't know anything else. We only know this is what we need to do in the world, and hopefully, when we have enough, we'll be happy. This is what you're hoping, isn't it? You don't know anything else, it's not your fault. This is the world, this is society. Everything you have, your name, fame, power, wealth, when you die, which we don't know when, yeah, we can't take any of them with us. It's only in the world, it stays in the world. So all your life, you're hoarding. you're hoarding, which you don't know, you can't take with you, and you don't know when you're gonna leave this world. What's the, what's the point? Only this knowledge you can take with you. This is what they're saying. Only this knowledge will help you. People are innocent, they don't know what they are doing. 
That's why Christ said, Father, forgive them. Forgive them. They do not know what they are doing. That's what Christ said. They don't know what they're doing. He said, Father is in heaven. Happiness is within you. But nobody wants to listen. They crucified him. Ramatita says, Iron and gold can only buy iron and gold. Happiness is not made of these things. He puts it quite well. Notice. Iron and gold can only buy iron and gold. But happiness is not made of these things. Neither can happiness be purchased with these things. He gave that lecture in San Francisco in 1902. And you're saying, everyone's chasing iron and gold. You know, in, uh, India was occupied before by the Persians, the Greeks, then the English were being occupied at that time. And he said they're here for iron and gold, but they don't realize that iron and gold cannot buy happiness. He's telling them a lecture in San Francisco. But let them try. That's what you're saying. Happiness is not made of these things. You can only buy another iron and gold. You have money, what can you buy? You can only buy stuff. Happiness is not in that stuff. That's what he's saying. There is a law of nature which governs this world. And if one is aware of it, they would understand that feeble pursuit in trying to find joy through hoarding and indulging in material wealth. It's feeble. You won't find it. True happiness lies within oneself. It is futile to look for it in emotions, perceptions, and thought. And the sense objects of the world... Sorry. True happiness lies within oneself. It is futile to look for it in emotions, perceptions, and thought, and the sense objects of the world. One is only happy when one gains God-consciousness, self-consciousness. One must not be stuck with the body, mind, and intellect. This will not allow you to grow fully. One must be steadfast to reach the goal of the self. Only then he has developed fully and reached the ultimate goal of life for a human being. It all sounds far-fetched, but it isn't. This is practical. You know, you heard this word God-consciousness, self-consciousness. You hear these words, but they don't mean anything to us. So they're saying if you follow this path of bringing, for example, in the beginning of the class we said, any action you do, say it's because of the grace of God. You're now following that path. You're worshipping God straight away. That's why I brought it in, to fit in with this. That's a start you can do straight away. And you're already thinking in that lines now. You're being spiritual in everything you're doing. Does that make sense? Unless you are fixed on the self, only then you will grow spiritually. Otherwise, if you just remain with the body, mind, intellect, then you stay spiritually stunted, just like a bonsai tree. So it's saying, body, mind, intellect, yes, we have that, but we have to look at the self within. Only then we will become, we'll grow spiritually. Otherwise, we'll not grow spiritually. 
like a bonsai tree. Everyone knows what a bonsai tree is, isn't it? Miniature trees. The bonsai tree has the roots cut all the time so it doesn't grow. So you get like uh, trees that should supposed to be so big, but only about that small. They keep cutting the roots. Similarly, the same law applies to us humans as far as spiritual growth is concerned. If we stay stuck at the body, mind, intellect level, and we don't even realize this, if we stay at the body, mind, intellect, we don't realize this, we will be spiritually stunted. Unless the path you're on for your spiritual development teaches you self-knowledge, knowledge of the self will not grow spiritually. It's very important that you understand this. Whatever path you're following, unless it's teaching you your true nature, your true personality, about the self, the Atman, you will not develop spiritually. doesn't matter what you're following. You may become a better human being, but you're not, you won't develop spiritually in gaining closer to the self. For that, you need knowledge of the self. This is what they're saying. All Upanishads, all Gita, everything is teaching, you that, teaching us that, ultimately. So it's really important that you understand this. Most spiritual paths talk about the body, the mind, and the intellect. It doesn't teach you about the self, and if it does, it doesn't show you how to get there. Rituals, catering to the mind, catering to the intellect, Does that make sense? Unless there's a knowledge of the self, you're not gaining knowledge, spiritual knowledge. One is not aware of the important knowledge of the self in one's life, since one is ignorant. One is not aware of the important knowledge of the self in one's life, since one's ignorance. I'm not saying you're all ignorant, sorry. Due to one's ignorance. This ignorance needs to be removed. This is really important. Right now, we're in ignorance of the self. We need to remove this. Ignorance manifests in three ways. Does everyone understand what we're, what we're saying? Ignorance of knowledge, meaning you don't have knowledge of the self, yeah? Ignorance manifests in three ways. Lack of information, lack of understanding, lack of experience. In the first stage, one has no knowledge of the self. One becomes informed by listening to spiritual masters, reading the scriptures. This is known as Shravana. Which means listening. This helps one overcome their ignorance. I'll explain more. Once knowledge of the self, you gain the knowledge of the self, one may not understand it. One can only understand it and absorb it by one's own reflection, process known as manana. With manana, one now understands the self, but one cannot experience the self. This definitive experience can only be gained through the process of meditation, nididyasana. 
Meditation is the process of focusing one's mind on one thought with the exclusion of all other thoughts. With constant meditation on the self, one gains the experience of oneself. One becomes the self. One achieves the bliss of the self. So what's that saying? Three facets. What did you understand from that? Whoever's still awake, what did you understand from that? Right now we are ignorant of the self. Yep. So in order to understand the self, in order to go on the spiritual path, we need to follow this. So how do you remove that ignorance? First you need to get knowledge of the self, which is what we're doing here. Three facets, lack of knowledge, lack of understanding, lack of experience, yeah? So, before you came to this class, you didn't know that there is the self, okay? Did anyone have an idea? You may have, yeah, but you, you had some inkling maybe, but you didn't actually know anything about the self. Beyond the, beyond the body, beyond the mind, beyond the intellect, there is the enlivening factor we call the self. Now, after being exposed to this class, you can now say, yes, I know the self. You can't say you don't know the self. Yes? Everyone with me? You can all say, I know the self. <coughs> but you can say, I don't understand it. So they're saying, for that you need to do manana, meaning reflection. What is reflection? Looking inside. Looking inside? Analyzing yourself. Analyzing Analyzing the self with a capital S. Not your limited self, but the self within you. Analyzing that, thinking about it. I've now gained this knowledge. Let me reflect on it. What does it mean? So you've gained the knowledge by reading, coming to class, listening to a guru, whatever. You've gained the knowledge of the self. But you don't understand it. For that, you need to put the effort in. Then you will understand the self. Morning study, reading, satsang, whatever. You will then have a better understanding. It's like Galapagos Islands. Everyone heard of the Galapagos? No, good, I'm glad you didn't hear it. It's a group of islands off Ecuador in South America. Yeah? There's a David Attenborough program on it. So you don't understand what the Galapagos is. Then you see a TV program, the one I just mentioned, showing all the wildlife on the island. You watch the program. Now you, now someone says, have you heard of the Galapagos Islands? You say, yes, I saw a TV program on it. I've heard of them. You want to know more about it. For that, you need to study. Look at Wikipedia, read a book, talk to someone who has been there maybe. Now you understand, you've reflected on the fact that you know more about the Galapagos Islands. So you need to put effort in to understand it. 
Now you can say, yes, I've heard of this island. I know a lot about this island. But you haven't been there, you haven't experienced it. Correct? Everyone with me? You've heard of it, you know what it's all about, but you've not experienced it. How can you experience it? By going there. Only when you go there you can say, I not only know about this island, but I've also experienced this place. Same thing with the self. You have heard of it. You now be, need to put effort to understand it. But even then you have not experienced the bliss of the self. And to experience the self you need to do meditation. So Shravana, Manana, Nidityasana. These are the three exercise disciplines you need to do to reach the self. Any clarification? Just nothing? So when it comes to meditation, I'm just talking about like, you do it with an hour, you just... Let me finish the last bit of meditation. <laughs> meditation is practiced throughout the world, but devoid of studying or listening to lectures. There is no effort applied. One is looking for a shortcut to realizing God. This is not possible. One must follow the path as laid out above. Shavana, Manana, meditation. One must follow the path as laid out, remove their ignorance, and ultimately reach the state of self-realization, the definitive goal of one's life. So people who are meditating at the moment, I'm not saying it's wrong, they have no concepts of desires, no concepts of self, and when you try to meditate, sometimes it's actually frustrating. Because your mind isn't ready to meditate. It's full of agitations. You have too many desires, unfulfilled desires. So you meditate, you sit for five, ten minutes. You try to focus. You concentrate your mind on one thought. You can't do it, the mind will jump to something. You can't control it. Try it. You can't control it. But the more you practice, the more you should be able to do it. The more you practice, the more you should be able to do it. The only way is to clear the mind of the agitations, which is caused by unfulfilled desires. So as you reduce your desires, less agitations. You have only one desire, I want to reach the self. What's going to bother you? So you have to reduce your desires, remove your desires, there's what agitates you. So meditation, what the, everyone is doing right now, is useful and helpful, but it's not helpful to get to the goal of self-realization. This is the point we're trying to make. I'm not condemning meditation. Yeah? But if you want to use it for this purpose, to, to, if you want to reach the Galapagos and experience Galapagos, you have to get on a plane and get there. This is what they're saying. So you have the meditation, takes you there. Only one thing can control the mind and hold it in, one, in, in its one place. And that is the intellect. intellect. That's why we say develop the intellect so you can keep the mind focused on one thought. Only then can you meditate in reaching the self. 
People meditate, but not to realize the self. They meditate because it helps calm the mind, which is good, but it's temporary. Because as soon as another desire props up, the agitations are back. So there's nothing wrong with meditation as such. Even you, you can use it to help you. Swami Tapavan, which I'm some another Swami I'm reading, says you should sit for a few minutes every day and practice thinking of the self. Five minutes to sit, think of the self, concentrate on that. Try it. What harm can it do? You might find a bit of peace and happiness, but that's the only thing that can happen. We don't have enough of that, so it's okay. <laughs> To remove your ignorance and to get onto that path of self-realization. Yes. When you have no more, in the uh, scriptures it says, meditation should be done when you have no more desires. Your mind is clear. There's only one desire, is to gain that experience of the self. Then you sit and meditate. That's why all the swamis they live in a cave in the Himalayas and so on. So there's no disruptions, there's no issues, they can just concentrate and meditate until they gain that experience. We are not able to do that. So maybe we'll have to be content with just getting 750,000 pounds. <laughs> or 7.5 million rupees. That's the end of the chapter, by the way. We've covered, I've covered a bit, quite a bit today to finish this. Any questions? So the effort is something that I can't put in for you. You have to put in the effort. So this sitting for five minutes um, and trying to focus on the self whilst we're going through the practice of mm. reading a bit, reflecting on the knowledge that we've gained, mm. things like that. What, the self is so within, it would be difficult to, you, you, what, what can, I can't focus on something I can't yeah. comprehend. What is it that I'm focusing on? Just focus on Om. You're right, you can't focus on it. This is what Swami Tabhavan said. Focus on Om. Just chant Om. Just chant Om. Single pointed focus. This is what he's saying. When he's saying, from my understanding, what he's saying, when he's saying meditate on the self, meaning on a single point, anything spiritual. Om, you can just Om, Om, not loud, inside. You're focusing, your, 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 you're practicing your mind to concentrate on one thing, which is find it very difficult to, for it to do. So it's an exercise. And that, you're doing that exercise, and as you do it more and more, you'll get more mental control, more peace, more happiness. You can't think of the self, you're absolutely right. But 
we may never get to that goal of meditating on the self. So let's just practice and sit quietly and just think on something higher. This is what he's saying. Right now we're not meditating. We're not doing anything. So let's do something. From that perspective he meant. Any questions? So do you do more? Well, that's your five minutes, isn't it? Because you should just be saying the same word, isn't that your five minutes of concentration and not letting the thoughts go? You find it often difficult to try it out. <laughs> but that is, that's the idea of doing the mara, isn't it? That you count and then you turn over. Helps your mind yeah, to concentrate. Helps. The Mara is a prop to help you concentrate. If you can concentrate, without, if you don't need the Mara, you can still concentrate without it. It's the same thing, it's just a prop. Nothing else. It's because you can't focus the mind, so you're focusing on the Mara. If you're watching TV at the same time, then forget it. Understanding the level of concentration will help you. Yeah. It brings your mind, when it goes away, back to the prop, which is in your hand, the Mara. So you're saying, Om, 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 what should I cook tonight? Om, <laughs> what did my husband say he wanted it? Om, 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 and then the mind goes somewhere else. Yeah, this is what happens. I started doing that, so um, I go to classes near Mars, and there's a Buddhist temple. At least it'll make you realize how your mind functions. Yeah, that is totally <laughs> Why is it called monkey mind? You'll, you'll understand that. You can't concentrate. 